these colors, these things that are breathing around us that are just so important to me to keep alive, to keep happy, show me how I can do the same for myself, how I can do the same for my partner, how I can do the same for our like fur babies. I just think that that's been incredible having a relationship with our plants in that sense. This is for everyone who is far away from home, but close to it at the same time. Diaspora Babes is the art you make, the art you love, and the arc of justice. We are brown, queer, struggling, thriving, too much, too loved, and too loving. My name is Amal, and I'm a Yemeni Lebanese artist currently based in California, and this is Diaspora Babes, love letters to myself and you. Dear Diaspora Babe, you have unlikely allies. Have you found them? During quarantine, we've been creating so many systems of mutual aid with folks around us. And today we're going to be talking about systems of mutual aid with plant and animal friends in whatever locale you happen to be in. Quite a few things have drawn me to this topic. I think and write a lot about the stars, about the sun and the moon, but we're getting a little closer to ground in this one. I was also really inspired by the term plant comrade, a term first introduced to me by Mirza Zahar, who is an artist and organizer in the Bay Area or occupied Chochenyo Olone land. And I love this term plant comrades because I love the idea that plants and animals around us are in the same boat with us we're in this we're all in the same boat together we all are in the struggle for liberation and for creating a better world together and i really feel like in absence of you know getting out and seeing my friends and having connections with people around me i have really sunk more deeply into my community with the plants and animals around me and so i'm here to share with you a little around that and the perspective of several people i really respect as well who have varying relationships with the nature the plants around them i draw a lot on the writing of adrian marie brown in emergent strategy for for relation to the natural world, for liberation work, and for art and creative work. She defines biomimetics or biomimicry as the imitation of models, systems, and elements of nature for the problem of solving complex human problems from the introduction of emergent strategy. And later on page 46, she says, I like the word biomimicry, and I love knowing that the practices of mimicking the natural world have been happening since humans came into existence. This is actually an ancient practice, a recovery rather than a discovery. Today, I'm going to be talking a little less about problem solving and more about just uh, developing relationships as like a practice but some of the other voices you'll hear have different perspectives as well they're so small have you seen the other babies just to hang out with you? 
Do you think they're thankful that you saved them? Isabel Peña is an artist and organizer based in LA on Tongva land. And besides just being such a radiant person, they do things with floral arrangements and plants that I've never seen before. They're so full of heart and gorgeousness and just absolutely draw you in. They recently did a piece that really moved me for an event with Geffen Contemporary at MOCA put on by Brianna Mins with the Crenshaw Dairy Mart for Freedom Congress and Reform LA Jails. The show included art from folks who have incarcerated family members and Isabel did this gorgeous piece out of a shoe in reference to her brother that is absolutely moving. So what you just heard was a recording of my dad who a couple minutes ago ran into the backyard super excited to let me and my sister know that there are two baby hummingbirds about to be born in the front yard. And apparently the mom and dad come and visit him and hang out in the garage and I totally believe it because the way that he checks on these baby birds is like nothing else. Like he's built a whole nest contraption underneath the nest just in case the birds fall so they're caught. Um, And I guess that's kind of where my kinship is what I would call it, my kinship with plants and with the natural world starts. Um, My dad grew up as a subsistence farmer in El Salvador, and so he had to grow up in connection to the different cycles of our natural world that many of us are unfortunately cut off from because of the different lifestyles that we have to lead. Um, And that's something that I've been blessed to grow up around because we have been perpetual renters our entire life. We've never owned the place that we live in. And so wherever we move, if there is even a small, tiny patch of grass or green or dirt or anything, we'll work it and we'll grow something in it. And right now we're blessed enough to have a big enough yard where we have like a micro farm growing. And this micro farm, we tend to it according to the moon cycle. So we transplant all our plants during the full moon. We plant all our seedlings during the new moon. Um, And we're really in touch with the different cycles of nature because we tend to it so often. And I think that helps us connect to the land that we live on. And dirt and land is actually the most fundamental part of the whole process of gardening and working with plants, because if you don't have healthy dirt, you're not gonna have a healthy plant. So when we first moved here, we had to really intensely um, work the land in order to even grow like a radish. And now we have just an abundance of plants going on. And it's, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the plants that I find a real connection with, and right now there's like four major ones for me, and that's calendula, borage, hibiscus, and rose. Um, they've all kind of come to me in different moments in my life when I, I think I've needed them. Like the calendula and borage that I grow, um, I planted in December not knowing that I had planted them. <clears throat> and I at the time I was trying to you know, start growing more medicinal plants because I have lots of beautiful florals, but not many that you can make teas out of or salves and ointments. Um, And I was reading a lot about calendula and I was hearing a lot about 
calendula and borage just in conversation and they would always come up somehow and I was scouring the earth for for these seeds and just couldn't find them for whatever reason but turns out that the like pollinator pack of um of seeds that I had sown in the the past um, year were exactly the kind of plants that I was looking for and when they started popping up I noticed that wow I was growing calendula and I was growing borage and geranium and all these other plants that have been so important in my healing practice um, and my kinship and allyship to plants really does go down and deep into my healing practice. Like the garden is a common ground for me and my dad. We're not people who talk a lot. We really like being alone. <laughs> we really like being quiet. And so I think gardening together is a space that really helps us relate to each other. I also see it as a really healing activity as well. Like it is just, I don't know, it really helps you get out of your head and maybe get deeper into your head if that's what you need. Um, and so my art practice stems out of this burning obsession with plants that I think, Amal, you can understand as an artist, this kind of all-consuming feeling that you just need to be doing a very specific thing. And for me, it is just working with plants. And I came to the practice of uh, creating botanical sculptures when I started practicing Ikebana uh, over the past year. And that started as kind of like a self-care practice because it is very introspective, it is very intense, and it is very involving. Like it involves the entirety of you. It involves all of your your movement. It involves your brain. It involves your spirit. It involves your feelings. Um, and it involves you also relating pretty profoundly to the plants that you're working with. Like the first, the first bit of the process is preparing the flowers and honoring the flowers actually um, because when you cut a flower it begins to die and I think working with plants makes you very comfortable with the cycles of death around you but it is something that still hurts like cutting a flower for me still hurts and I really try to make sure that you know this flower that is honoring me with its life that I can in turn elevate it through this art form, through this art practice, and honor its life in return. And that's kind of all I hope I can communicate with my, with my work. Um, and I think over the quarantine, I have been able to connect to the plants that I tend to in a much more intense way, of course, just by means of being here, being home. Um, but they've really been a guiding force throughout all of this insecurity, all of this instability and the fact that we don't know every day is different and um, every day also presents its own sets of challenges. But the fact that I can just go out and breathe with my plants, which is a very basic exercise that I try to do every day, is so grounding and calming and brings me back to my center in a way that um, I can't really describe. Like it is something otherworldly. And I I really revere all the different beings I have in my yard. Like some people would call them pests, but we have a bunch of bugs and flies and spiders and lizards and birds. But these are all members of a really critical cycle, a really critical ecology that we have here at the house. Um, it's part of what brings so much life to us. Like right now I'm looking outside my bedroom window and there is this bush of hibiscus and it is the most deep, profound, like beautiful shade of red. Like I can't even describe it. Like looking deep into its center um, just makes me feel like love and passion and creativity and drive. And um, my flowers I also use in my spiritual practice. So I've gotten into the habit of every full moon creating a floral essence. And this past flower moon, 
the flower that spoke to me was this beautiful, beautiful, bright red hibiscus outside my window. And so the way that I prepare a floral essence, and it's different for everybody, is that I put some purified water in a crystal bowl. And this bowl is one that's been passed down to me through family. And I put the cut flower, you know, I, I try and dampen its leaves as best as I can. And then I leave it out under the moon or, yeah, so I leave it out under the moon and I work with it. And this flower, this hibiscus has really, you know, pushed me through a really um, intense creative period. Um, this past month I was making lots of arrangements for Mother's Day. I was making lots of pieces for zines and for other projects that I'm working on and writing a lot. And this essence of this bright red hibiscus has really been like something that brings me back to my center. And that changes. Last month it was like this yellow poppy. And I, I think tonight I'm going to cut some beautiful golden poppy and put it by my bed because I'm having trouble sleeping. And I know that golden poppy is really good um, to help you when, you when you need to sleep and you need to clear your mind and focus and be okay. So these are plants that I lean on quite heavily in every part of my life, in my creative aspects of my life, in the spiritual aspects of my life, in the healing aspects of, of my life. And they are kind of at the center of everything that I think about. Like even the work that I do, my written work, which is like sci-fi and short stories, it's always exploring something weird with plants or some weird thing that could happen with plants or trying to understand better our relationship to non-human beings. And I think as humans, we have this like very self-centered individualistic view of our role in nature as the dominator. And that's a very like white patriarchal colonial way of thinking of yourself because I think, you know, plants and uh, non-human beings are just, they're a part of a cycle that we are also a part of, and we are completely bonkers to think that we are somehow outside of it. I think the different lifestyles that we lead give us an illusion of independence from nature that is completely false, and I think that quarantine right now has, I think, helped many people reevaluate their relationship to the world that surrounds them most immediately, like the, the garden that they have that they don't tend to, that they've been paying gardeners to just mow for years when that land could be something that you cultivate and that you nourish and that you can get food out of and give food back to. So that, I think, are, are some things that are going through my head about plants and finding allyship with plants um, and kind of how, how they, they work with me. So when I look into plants, um, like deep into plants, I think about how they're just connected to everything, like root systems communicate with each other and they even share resources like the borage that I was telling you about, it brings in an immense amount of nitrogen back into the soil and so it's a really great starter if you have dead soil like what we did. So when this borage finishes its life cycle, the, the ground it's grown in is actually better for it. And that is just like an incredible lesson to learn from a plant, the fact that you can leave a place better than you found it, the fact that you, in, in growing into yourself, can also cultivate the land that you're on. Interconnection is really the thing that I guess I've been 
like looking at and thinking on these walks that I've been having. I go frequently at dawn after the morning meal that you have in the fast suhoor right before right before dawn so it's still dark and I go walking and a little bit after that like right when the eastern horizon is starting to get light and starting to get light blue then the birds are incredibly active like they're all flying back and forth there's some really tall eucalyptus trees and they like bunches of them go back and forth between there there's like swallows and different and doves and blue jays that are going across like ahead of me and some of them say hi to me like and I, I go in one of the streets and there's a bird that always is squawking and I give him my greetings and he's always squawking <laughs> and just this process of saying hello and and hearing from them feels really good and I feel like even if you're skeptical about the idea that plants and animals can understand you the very act of speaking pleasantly to them creates this flow of generosity that is really refreshing and enlivening hummingbirds have really been coming to me a lot lately as well um, hummingbirds are so friendly like they come into my little my room outside when I'm recording episodes sometimes or after to say hello. At first, they would just come to the lavender bush that was growing near my little shed. And then they started coming inside to say hello to me. And as soon as I said hello, they would leave or, you know, like not immediately, but they would say hello and leave. When I was reading Audre Lorde essays for my poetry club right after my morning walk, the hummingbirds, there were several different ones. Each ones they would take turns coming down and like getting some some getting some nectar from the flowers and stuff like that. But each one when it came down came over to me to say hello and then went along its business and it's just it's really sweet and hummingbirds have such great personality. From Emergent Strategy on page 89, a moment for faith. There's included some writing by Aisha Schillingford. There are two sayings from the Quran slash Islam that have taught me how to think about nature as an influence. A. The quotation from the Quran, If only you relied on Allah, a true reliance, He would provide sustenance for you just as He does the birds. They fly out in the morning with their stomachs empty and return in the afternoon with stomachs full. This influences my organizing by reminding me that we are not the absolute progenitors of our outcome. We put in the work, we fly out, and we have an intention, get food and racism, change society, get free, and we work hard, we look for the worms, and we build our nests and fly information, etc. But at the end of the day, we have to believe firmly that there are forces of justice and truth and love at play. We do our part and rely on the greater power of the universe, aka our collective intentions and efforts. It's relieving to know that it is not always up to us as individuals, but there is a complex interconnection of power at play.
And now, Alina Perez. I didn't get into plants until after I subletted a friend's apartment who had a bunch, and I just like blindly was thrown into the situation of taking care of plants, and I've never done that before. Um, there were so many different types, and I definitely probably didn't do a few justice, but you know, fast forward, it's been like a year now, and my partner and I have just like been like, okay, look, we're letting the plants kind of take over, you know, our apartment, and I feel like even now, well, especially now during, you know, quarantine times and everything that's happening, they have been a huge help in keeping us sane, as sane as we can be. Um, they definitely are like our children and the way that we take care of them, make sure that they're all getting what they need because each plant needs something so different than the next and it's like having a little ecosystem all of us me Aurel, you know sammy and then recently got a new little buddy ziggy our cat and just like having these living beings surrounding us and not just being focused on you know our own human condition but having like the plants and the animals have taken a load off of you know what we're struggling with internally and being like looking outside of ourselves and thinking well our animals need to eat we need to play with them we need to feed like there are these things that are actually more important than ourselves um in terms of my creative practice too like i don't think it was until i got into having plants that my imagery really shifted i mean i still work with figures but now i'm so much more interested in plants and animal imagery and bird imagery and like questioning why in my work and why in a lot of work i see there's so much being held onto onto the figure like the figure is doing so much of the work the bodies are doing so much of the work and holding so much of the emotional complexity of a piece whereas there's so much so like so much more that could be happening and how like what does drawing these plants and incorporating these other live things in my drawings how can that also give to the piece or give an emotional quality or show the kind of love and empathy like how do plants and animals show or also kind of what's the word how do they talk about boundaries in our life in our relationship as much or even more than like just a body could and there's actually i was listening to oh i listen to a lot of podcasts and one of my favorite ones ram das here and now he said something that stuck with me of what can bodies do besides rub up against each other and that really stuck with me because I'm like, yeah, what can bodies really do like that plants can't do more of, that animals can't show us in a different way? Like, And I don't know, that's, that's just been a huge impact on my work. And so these colors, these things that are breathing around us that are just so important to me to keep alive, to 
keep happy. Show me how I can do the same for myself, how I can do the same for my partner, how I can do the same for our like fur babies. I just think that that's been incredible having a relationship with our plants in that sense. Alina Perez is one of my favorite artists. I just adore her drawings, like her mark making and the scale and the tenderness and the intimacy of her work and its lushness. Like it really, it really sends me. It it really sends me. She is currently doing her MFA at Yale right now. Um, again, shout out to everyone who is suffering right now with with classes. I feel like that should be should not be a thing, but I'm thinking now of the lemon tree that formed the spine of so much of my work while I was away from California. Uh, now that I'm back, I sit with the tree all the time and I, I look at it and I, I see that it's full of ants moving up and down it. And I'm not the only one that has an interdependent relationship with this tree, which really, if you know my work, you've seen it. Like I've used it on art for the podcast before. I've used it in collages. I've used it by itself in collages and then use collages out of those collages i've used elements of it i've painted it when i was coming back into my painting practice i would paint the tree and it really is is now i'm home i I pour libations to it after ritual i think it as well you know it's like when you see a friend every morning and when they say hi you kind of feel good about it um that's how it's starting to feel with the different characters because there are characters like the birds hang out in the same spots and you can recognize some of them and they have different personalities and um, plants as well you see them bloom and die and watch the life cycles you know I feel like an auntie (laughs) I feel like one of those aunties who sees you and is like I remember when you were in diapers but to the plants (laughs) that are next to me and also because we live in the same place that I've lived since I was a baby I know that some of these trees have seen me since I was a baby as well and so it's that fun sort of relationship every morning you can hear a rooster a rooster or two there's one that's closer and then one at least that's a bit farther off But I never knew how close until one morning when I was going down the street as normal and I heard the rooster pretty loudly and I was like, oh, it must be close. And as I got further down the street, I looked up towards the east in the lightning sky and I saw a rooster on the roof. It was on the roof of this house, just crying his little to the heavens, just I was like, wow, you're very bold. I didn't even know that chickens could fly that high. And yet here was this rooster sitting on a house. Like, you know, every, what are they called? Wind dials or like a old farmhouse drawing. Um, There was that rooster. And I was like, wow, that is really magical to be walking in like the dark that is just lightening and to see a rooster. Um, And so I did one of my laps with Peanut um, and came around. And the next time I came down, lo and behold, the rooster was in the middle of the street, walking down like nobody's business. Um, And I was like, wow, hello, rooster. (laughs) And 
that was very fun and i decided to walk down with peanut and to let her like sniff around and the rooster saw peanut and suddenly was not so very proud and decided to hurry himself away and um, hop over his fence and i have not seen him since but i still hear him every morning So this morning was actually a very curious one because I woke up um, in one of the worst moods that I've had um, throughout like the span of quarantine. So it just kind of hit me yesterday and then more this morning that it's like I had been caught kind of just like circling the... Um, same couple of blocks for like the last month and this is kind of a far cry of where I was last year where I was um, traveling far and wide or how I usually am in the city where it's like I'm usually uh, walking through a variety of places and experiencing a variety of things and just enjoying the urban landscape and I um, as an art historian who focuses on like urban studies that's kind of a big deal for me is like being able to walk and roam in the city and like experiencing it physically um so i woke up and i was feeling quite stuck and caught in place so i did uh what i usually do in quarantine when i feel stuck is i pick up my yoga mat and i get a uh, iced coffee that I make for myself in a mason jar and I pick up my journal and whatever type of academic thing or work thing I need to sort through through the day and I post up in this park that's really close to my house um, and I come here specifically when I'm feeling stuck and I uh, just pose whatever question I'm living through at the moment to the trees, like the variety of trees that are around. Um, and I've been doing this, I would say, every day except the days when it rains here for the last month or so. Um, and every time the trees have a way of reminding me that I'm not stuck, um, that there's continually things changing around me um, and that there is growth or light that hits a little bit different or just some sort of unraveling even right now like the rustling of the leaves and the birds um, it's never quite the same and it forces me to kind of reminds me I guess more so to kind of root down and I've just been drawing a lot of lessons from nature and natural happenings since I've been in quarantine and it's really been a gift. Um, and I think uh, nature has come back to kind of just like gift to me again, I guess for noticing because I've had uh, one of the worst kept yards in the neighborhood um, and recently I got it trimmed um, and I've just let it do kind of its own thing for the most part 
and one morning I woke up and I realized that uh, the bush I had in like one of my front yards which is actually like a hibiscus um, so it's been blossoming these beautiful 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 um, hibiscus flowers and they just keep getting bigger and bigger and they just keep um, pollinating and um, when I look at them I think of my grandmother uh, who is very good at cultivating orchids and flowers um, and every day there's uh, the new face of a hibiscus flower to greet me or they somehow look more different or they're always unfolding and showing themselves and opening up and every single morning when I step outside I thank them for showing up and I thank them for being here and I thank them for showing face and showing up um, and I promise to in solidarity uh, keep on doing the same and hibiscus returns with Alex Mendez, friend of a podcast who's currently studying for her master's at the Center for Latin American Visual Studies in the Department of Art and Art History at UT Austin. I too have found myself walking back and forth over a close area of, of sidewalk. And so many of us have found our territory of movement more constrained than we expected. This is something that's hitting us in the collective with the North Node moving into Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius. The North Node meaning the polar star that we're all moving towards. Gemini being the neighborhood, what's close at hand, what's right around, and Venus already going retrograde through Gemini has that feeling of plotting over the same ground over and over again, this close at hand, and Venus, our values and our relationship in Gemini, our neighborhood. There's a reevaluation of our relationships based on this local context, South Node and Sagittarius. What we're clearing out is that Sagittarian like traveling um, or excesses around that. And again, there's this rooting in what is close at hand, that reforming of home that we've already been talking about quite a bit together my dear diaspora babe all of this to say that the experiences that we're having are reflective of the energy we're in and let that come through you and let that come through your work please enjoy this poem by nasim a friend from instagram nature of my rebound that unwarranted tenderness that tears holes in clouds, that softens my fall but breaks my back, that follows me and creeps up my spine. Be gone, undeserving lover. May the sun shine through, a cool dawn on a new day, budding petals in which the nectar of love lays low and leaves cradle the cloud, in theory, would deflate like a balloon and sink, returning me to earth. It is a good place to be. I am romantically partnered to Mother Nature, 
slayer. We are wretched and ungrateful offspring. My body is her slave. My soul is her birthright. I never had a chance. I am hers to digest. My blood is her stomach acid. Her gentle hand lifts my chin. The sky kissed by treetops. I could not live without her. Obviously having access to nature at a time like this is an immense privilege. So, you know, if you have it, get it, like, and let it strengthen you so that you can do things for supporting other people. Some of the speakers are able to get out and walk around. Others, others have plants inside their homes. And so whatever your access to ecosystems around you are, I hope you find all of the unexpected allies and make comrades of all the plants and cats and birds and dogs in your neighborhood. May you be on good terms with everything in your ecosystem. Give to them and receive and take care of yourselves. Until next time, Diaspora Babes. Love, Amal. The magical music for Diaspora Babes was done by Leil Omaran and Almanak. Find their pages in the show notes. Follow Diaspora Babes on Instagram at Diaspora Babes and follow me on Instagram at You Can Do It Habibi. Send your thoughts, questions, reflections, and contributions by way of voice note or email at diasporababes at gmail.com or just send me something personally on WhatsApp if you have my number. If this was meaningful to you, please rate us five stars and share with your friends. Keep faith, keep safe. On this episode, you heard from Isabel Peña, Alina Perez, Alex Mendez, and Nassim. Find their social media below.